Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome to Self-Storage Income, the podcast where we get to talk about how self-storage can change your life, make you financially free, build wealth and income. And really, this podcast is getting at the heart of it. It's getting at the heart of why we invest, the heart of the whole purpose of owning real estate, um, the idea of becoming financially free, what that means, steps to get there. Um, and really how to do that in self-storage and, you know, working backwards from that planning, all of those really, really important topics, not for just for people starting out, but for everybody in general, how you focus, how you plan, um, and everything in between. I mean, that's the hard part, right? I mean, in any aspect of doing anything is, is where do you focus your time, your effort, your energy? And at what points in time do you focus that time and effort and energy? And what, and, and what do you focus that on uh, to optimize your ability to, your ability to execute and scale? Because at the end of the day, we only have so much time, right? Yeah. Uh, so this is, this is really critical. This is one of those things that AJ and I were sitting here talking about, you know, what, what can we kick out to you guys? It's going to provide a ton of value. Uh, that's, that can be related to storage that can be related to people that are just starting out. And, um, this is what we came up with because yeah. this is just such a critical piece of the puzzle and, uh, and getting off on the right foot and having that plan and executing on that, you know, day after day, year after year, and ultimately reaching that true goal of just that absolute financial freedom that so many of us want to achieve. You know, and it's funny, I, it no matter who I talk with and all the phone calls and, and meetings we have and everything, it, it it's amazing no matter where you're at, how this is a driving force. And I, I'm talking to people on the phone and I was actually having a conversation Maybe it was on the AJ Osborne podcast, but with an individual, how um, outside forces changed their mindset and their focus and put in more urgency on things and forced them in a place to make change. And how whenever we're forced to make change, it's so often we look back on that and was like, man, that was not only the best thing, but I should have started that a long time ago. And so it's really about how do we get that started mm-hmm. and how do you make those plans and what does it mean? It, it, first and foremost, I think it's really easy to say, and it's really something that's simple to say. Um, but every single person's path is completely different. Uh, and I do not believe, uh, some people are like, Oh, just quit your job and just start thinking. I just, don't believe in that. <laughs> Jump all in. Just, yeah. yeah. I, I don't. Or you're not committed. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not that person. I don't believe in that. I, yeah. I I don't find the business owners, the successful people that I know, it's actually very few people 
that go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons being is this idea of uh, risk and this idea of how you manage risk. And when we look at financial freedom and financial planning in general, it's this idea of moving forward without destroying yourself or, or, or what is called total ruin, right? And, and in risk, I look at risk is you're not getting rid of risk. You're managing it. And we're just trying to avoid total ruin. So I don't do things that will make total ruin. And then all the other risks, I want to manage it. And I want to use risk that will propel me in a certain way to get me where I'm trying to go. So there's good risk and there's bad risk, not levels of risk. Not, I'm not, I don't mean like there's risks that's too much, although there is that. But I'm talking for you individually, individually, there's good risk and there's bad risk. And that may be completely different to somebody else. Because first of all, you have different opportunities. You have different ways of achieving your goals. And you have different um, uh, different things you need to worry about. If you're talking about uh, somebody that has a family and children versus a 22-year-old at a college, those are two totally different situations. <laughs> yeah, One's like the person, like, you want to go live in a garage and make an app company, go for it, right? Go live in your mom's garage at 22 and, well, and the cool develop thing an app are vans nowadays, AJ. That's right. The, the van, van life. Have your mom pay for your van and, you know, go do that. Uh, yeah. That's a totally acceptable thing to do. Yeah. Now, would I tell that to somebody with four kids? No. Right? No, don't go live in a van. Yeah, you're not the like, cool dude. You're the homeless dude now. Like, exactly. Don't do you're not cool anymore. You're just homeless. There's a big difference there. Um, so first of all, understanding and analyzing your opportunities and where you need to branch over. So your strengths, your weaknesses. And people are like, oh, yeah, this is simple. And it, it, it's really not. I, I think actually this is where most people get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we First of all, we think that we need to be someone to be successful, right? I need to be like that person. So I'm going to read a book and I'm going to say, oh, if I do everything that that person did, success is going to just follow it, right? That's not true. You're not that person. So it doesn't implement implementing every single thing that they did mm-hmm. and expecting the same outcome in a different time Dude, and that a different I was just person, say, the timing, different, like it's, it's not the same. No, not even remotely. Now, are there habits that we should all make that are general habits that lead to success? Of course, mm-hmm. if you wake up early and get to work versus in sleeping in to 10 o'clock in the morning, one's going to have a better outcome than the other. Mm-hmm. That's right. These, but most of the successful traits that you know are traits that every single farm kid grew up knowing. You work hard, you get up early, you put off pleasure, mm-hmm. you invest long term, you invest in your education, right? You build for the future. Like you figure most things of those out. things, you figure things out, yeah. you Critical put think. others before yourself. Like a, a lot of those general things that we talk about, which is really important. And if you weren't taught that, which it's not your fault, like there's lots of people that weren't, they didn't grow up like that, right? Um, they didn't grow up where their parents talked to them about money and debt and things like that. That's all really important. But outside those general things, the playbook to being successful changes with time. 
and it changes based upon individuals and it changes upon opportunities that they have. This is first and foremost too. So if you see somebody that's successful and you're feeling bad that you didn't get successful or you didn't do those, if I could only go back five years, that's not how it works. Your opportunity may be just around the corner or you may not even recognize the opportunity that you have because you're looking for it in a way that somebody else got it. Mm -hmm. And you're ignoring the way that you'll be successful because you're too busy trying to copy somebody else. Um, When you're looking at your life, the amount that you need to change and risk is dependent on where you're going, the goals that you're trying to achieve. Uh, There's a lot of people that would not work like I work that are in the position that I'm in. Mm-hmm. It would have already been, I'm done. Um, I argue most people aren't in the position that I'm in though, because they won't work like I do now. Right. They right. have that trigger where they stop mm-hmm. at a given point. I'm not saying that's bad at all. Right. Like there's people that you look and you say, listen, if I could replace $60,000 a year in income, I'm good. Well, that's awesome. Good for you. You know what you want. Go get it, right? Now, there's another person that's like, I need to make $10 million a year, or I'm never going to stop, ever. Great. That's good. You know what you want. Now, how you go about constructing what you need to do will be very different depending on those things. A lot of us lie to ourselves about what we actually want. Um, A lot of people, the buzzword of financial freedom is really, really hot. Mm -hmm. And when one of the first things I do when I talk to people, they're like, you know, I just really want to be financially free. And I say, why? Like, do you want to go sit on the beach? Do you want to sit around and watch Netflix? Why do you want to be financially free? What is that to you? Um, And then the answer varies dramatically. And I mean, well, I want to be able to do what I want to do. Well, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. I want to invest in whatever I want to invest in. Okay, well, now this is totally different now. What do you want to invest in? Maybe apartments, maybe things. Okay, well, now not only do you need to become financial free, we need to have a mechanism to gain capital to where you can invest privately on your own if that's what you want. So you, if your salary is $100,000 a year, you need to make that plus all the money that you need now need to make to invest, right? It, so it's very different when you actually start getting in the nitty gritty of what you want to do and how you want to live. And I believe everybody should literally sit down and map it out, have a come to Jesus moment. Um, you know, mine was, it, it's not about a goal and, uh, uh, I, I don't have a monetary mark because Mm -hmm. I don't do what I do for a monetary reason. I could triple in size and I'm still going to do the same thing. I love the game. Mm -hmm. I love deals. I love being on this podcast and sharing my experiences and hoping that it helps other people. I love meeting people. I love doing things that are hard. I love doing things that are difficult, that may be even risky, it may be a little risk junkie. Um, So that's my nature. With that said, I know that I needed to set up a system in which continue to grow, that I could grow with me things that I wanted to do and interchange that would have an impact, right? Very, very different than what other people want to do. Other people may want to invest to supplement income. They may um, want to invest because they have um, children with medical needs and they need to spend 80% of their time caring for those, those needs. Uh, when you look at how you're structuring these things, this comes very into play in how you go about entering into the self-storage market, what your role is. 
for me, I needed to integrate everything into my business model. Like I wanted to be a vertically integrated company. I needed to manage. I needed to fund. There were certain ways that I needed to fund. I wanted to build. I needed the right people to help us do all of those things because I wanted to be able to keep doing them. And I wanted to build a business that would grow and we could be in control of our growth. We could grow fast. We could grow slow. Um, and I wanted to have a say in the industry because I'm going all into it and I don't, and I plan on being it in 50 years. So I'm not getting out of the game anytime soon. I structured my businesses and my lifestyle around that. Um, if you're saying, listen, I need to, uh, you know, whatever it is, I need to serve a mission for my church, right? I want to go spend time in Africa serving people or building, um, wells, whatever, it doesn't even matter. Or I literally just want to sit on the beach. Looking at how you're going to enter into the self-storage market, first of all, there's this passive nature and this active nature about going into self-storage. They're very, very different. I'm in a very active nature of self-storage. Now, this puts me at a unique position to share the information of what makes it su successful because I'm so actively engaged in the properties and everything else. Um, in all aspects of the industry. But for a lot of people, that's not what they're looking for. So then it becomes, okay, well, who are you partnering up with? We talked about how success doesn't happen alone, doesn't happen on an island, and how you're probably good at some things, but there's a lot that you suck at, right? There's a lot that I suck at. And I need people to fill in those gaps. I need professionals. I need help and teams to accomplish my goal. Every person's like that. So if you suck at, or don't even, not even suck. You just don't want to do operations. Okay. Now, are you, who's your third party management company? Now, what is your goal? Is your goal to have one facility in Pasigula, Mississippi, that's 50,000 square feet? Or do you want to have it across five states? And do you want to scale up into something bigger, but use that a management company? Okay. Now those are two totally separate management companies that you need. Mm -hmm. I think this is, I think you're really touching on a, a super important topic that I, I really want to highlight and that's that's getting very granular and identifying what what all of this actually means. What is what is financial freedom to you? What is is that a number or is that a, an experience or like what is yeah. that exactly? And then like you're just talking about, well, how do you get there? Is it doing the small facilities? Is it doing the large facilities? Is it passive? Is it uh, active? Like, you know, I think it's just really important. I think it's a lot of, especially just people starting out that that we overlook a lot of times where we have this idea like whether it's I want to be a millionaire or financially free or I want this or I want that. We don't really understand what it actually means to do yeah. that or or how we can do that. And when I, think, I became a millionaire, it was a huge letdown. It was actually very disappointing. In, in what ways? I, the day that I had to sign it, I, we had to give information to put into a bank. I was in my 20s and we gave it and I realized that um, I was a millionaire because we had to give all the information to the bank. <laughs> That's how I realized it. Um, and I called my wife and was like, so yeah, guess we're millionaires. She's like, oh, great. So what do you want for dinner? I'm like, well, do you want to go out to eat maybe celebrate or something? <laughs> And it's like, okay, so we went out to eat, you know, and it was like, this is really lame. Like, my life hasn't changed. Yeah, it's the same. It's the exact same thing. And yeah. I'm like, that was a really dumb goal. 
Isn't that crazy? How, how we just have these perceptions of, of how something is going to be, especially when it comes to things that are material or that are seemingly material to a lot of us, where we just have this perception of like, suddenly everyone's going to look at us different. Suddenly, you know, I, I don't know, these opportunities are just going to be all over the place or, you know, whatever that might look, look like for us. It's just interesting how, um, it's almost like it's almost like birthdays or something where they just kind of come and go and it's like yeah yeah it's another day yeah. like, it's not yeah. anything well and so too it's just you know, interesting it's also interesting because we set ourselves up for uh, like you're setting yourself up for something that you think it is and it's not and mm -hmm. that's where you get yeah. into trouble yeah. right do you want to be a millionaire or do you want to not have to work at a job you're at. Those are two totally different things because you can replace your income and not be a millionaire. And you can definitely become a millionaire and not replace your income. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't get those things, right? Yeah. Like it, it's not um, – you're talking difference between wealth and cash flow. You're talking difference about needs, wants. You're talking differences of, um, of responsibilities. And a lot of times we do. We have this – weird feeling like if i made so we have all our, our freedom number if you're not familiar with what a freedom number is it's the financial number that you would need to get need to to make and if you'd listen to any of the cash flow freedom stuff or now the aj osmore podcast i divide actually financial freedom up into three different layers because i think financial freedom is is overdone and overused and and, and the first layer is financial security and that's just basically listen if i lost my job I'm not losing my house and I could probably feed my family. I can't pay for Netflix. Mm -hmm. We can't go on trips. Like we're having grain and chicken every night, but we're not losing the house. Right. And we can still eat. That's financial security. Financial independence is I'm replacing the income that I have now and my life doesn't change today. That's what most people view as financial freedom. Mm -hmm. I would challenge everybody that that's not financial freedom. Normally, financial freedom inc includes a lot of things that I want to do. I want to have, I want to be whatever it is that is higher than whatever you're doing today. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. really want, think financial freedom is, okay, it covers my salary, but it's not like I can travel. So now I'm sitting around watching Netflix every day. Like, is that financial freedom? Like that's yeah, what are you doing? brain dead. Uh, <laughs> so normally people's financial freedom includes, I have enough money to travel, to give back, to invest. That's mm -hmm. generally the basic things that 90% of everyone falls into. No, I had to have extra for whatever else might come and up. And whatever else might come up. What if I want a new car? <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, that is not then, that's a totally different number here. And so that's what yeah. I include financial freedom. Financial security is replacement. Financial freedom is all those things that you hope in the future you would like to do, who you would like to be, and what it takes to achieve those things. That's freedom because freedom is not being constrained by choice. Like I would choose to, but I can't because of finances. Mm -hmm. No, financial freedom means you're not constrained. You can have choices. You're free to choose whatever you want. Mm -hmm. That to me is financial freedom. Um, I, that was a hard lesson to learn. I was following somebody in my early twenties and I was hearing about all the stuff that they were doing and I was reading their stuff and I was just like, man, they got it right. I got to follow this stuff. I was looking at how they invested everything they wanted to do. And 
there was a blog post after like a year of following this person I found out. And uh, I found out that they were making $55,000 a year. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that in a bad way. What I'm saying was I learned that they made one fourth the money that I did. And yet I was trying to copy what they were doing to achieve what they had. Mm-hmm. And only to realize that their financial freedom is not the same as mine. I couldn't, I couldn't live off that at the time. And I was like, how much time did I waste? Right? It's, and once again, it's not that it was bad at all, but it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for me. Um, and that was very eye-opening to me when looking at goals and how we get there, uh, that it can be very hard to understand the truth of the reality of what we're intending and learning. And you see this in self-storage. You see this when people are getting in, what they think they're going to do. And after discussing with them for a while, I'm like, I don't think this is going to achieve what you think it's going to achieve, mm-hmm. right? Or, yeah. or you're, get your outcome that you're wanting to. Uh, so everyone needs to look and figure out here. I, uh, I'm taking what I can out of all these things that I learn, and I'm putting them as tools, and I'm adapting those tools to my situation and my opportunities to get to the end goal that I'm trying to get to. In uh, self-storage, I still believe is the number one vehicle to get people there. And mainly that's because of the opportunities that arise from getting in it, but the, the, how many ways you can get into it, right? I mean, think about us. We're doing ground up. We're doing conversions. Mm-hmm. We're acquiring. We're expanding. Um, you can invest passively. You can buy small facilities. You can do big ones. Uh, you can hire third-party management companies, so you don't even have to manage it. So you can get really good at finding deals, but not running deals. You can get really good at running deals, get people that find deals and run their deals. There's a lot of opportunity in the space, yeah. right? But you can't go into it in a way that doesn't suit you and then be frustrated that you're not getting the outcome out of self-storage that you need to. You need to adapt within the industry. You need to be flexible, right? You need to get those tools and use them appropriately. Are you? Do you have money or do you not have money, but you have plenty of time and you're willing to work your butt off to find a good deal? Okay, well, now you go out, you find the deal. Then you find the people with the money, you put the deal together, and then you get paid for that. And, you know, I hear people are like, yeah, but I don't want to have investors. Okay, well, if you don't have money and you don't want to have investors, then you need to figure out, you know, kind of another way to get it. You, mm-hmm. But yeah. sometimes or you do just you need even to want, do. Yeah. Or do you even want to be doing this? Do you even this? want it? Like, yeah. Because at some point, I, I mean, there's there's certain things throughout throughout my past that I've, I've had that same kind of discussion with myself where it's like, okay, yeah, you don't want to take on investors, but do you just maybe go a different route and just so you can execute to get this done and to move forward? And yeah, maybe you do give up a percentage of of your ownership or whatever it might be. And you're sharing that. But again, I mean, like everybody knows the saying, like 50% of something's better than nothing, hundred percent of nothing. Right. Yeah. So that's definitely a conversation I think a lot of people should have. And then too, if, if you're sitting here like, that could just be one of those things where you're just kind of like trying to talk yourself out of actually yeah. executing. You yeah. Know? I see a lot of people do that with their market, right? Mm. Like, I really want something in my backyard. Yeah. But there's no opportunities in your backyard. Oh, well, then, you know, I'm, I, you know, it just, I, I would totally do it. I'd be all about it, but it's not here. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, then it's not actually about investing in storage anymore. 
It's about investing in your backyard. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the asset class anymore. Right. Right. Your goal is to invest in the in your backyard, which is not bad. But you're lying to yourself saying you want to invest in self-storage. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not no willing way. to go where the opportunity in self-storage is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so understanding that can really shorten your learning curve. Okay, now what is my opportunities in my backyard? Stop looking at storage. Right? Uh, and if you're saying, I really want to get into storage, um, but I don't want to be an operator. Okay, that's fine. Then you got to pay for an operator, right? It, so everything comes with um, give and take. Mm-hmm. And you need to be flexible to make that work for you. Uh, you know, we just had that podcast with Matt on a Frio that does triple net leasing on the AJ Osborne podcast. And it was the, one of the things that I said, why he's been so successful. He's just doing tens of millions of dollars of deals and he's 29 and is yeah, can we just touch on that real fast. Yeah. Like, Crazy. so we're talking in a matter of three years or something that two in two years going from, you know, working a nine to five mm-hmm. to having a million dollars of passive income a year or over that because he's about a hundred thousand yeah. dollars a month. Yeah. I mean, that that's a, just total animal. If you guys yeah, haven't listened to that over there, you go, you like go check it out. Yeah. And he didn't do it in any formatted way that people would think of doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I told him this on the podcast and I believe it. And I, and I said, the reason why I think he's been so successful is his ability to be flexible. Yeah. To figure out and just go. Um, he didn't have in his mind, I want to do it this way. And everything else has to work around me. Mm-hmm. No. What's here? What are the opportunities? I'll work around this. Well, and just like you were talking about in the beginning of this podcast where it's like the same thing's not going to work for everybody. But yeah. there are those fundamentals that work for everything. Yes. And that's exactly what he's doing where it's he's got those fundamentals and he's applying those across several different asset classes and just crushing it. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, I look at that too and it, we all have the shiny object syndrome and I'm like, hey, I should do that too, right? <laughs> yeah, like, dude. you know, he, he can do it. I obviously can do it. He's my friend. He me, and then I'm like, that's not where my opportunity is. Like, you know, I have that one little second. Mm-hmm. I'm really good about, you know, <laughs> fairly controlling that now. I used to be horrible about it. But th- looking at it and saying, even though, yes, there is opportunity, it doesn't mean I should chase it mm-hmm. because I would be forfeiting opportunity here. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just, uh, Matt's a good friend and I, and I really enjoy talking with him. Um, and it's interesting how novice he is and he's making, he's doing like, if, you know, 50 plus million dollars in deals and the guy just started and Nobody really, I don't know if nobody told him he couldn't, he <laughs> couldn't do it. He just like started doing it. It was yeah. like, well, I guess I'll just do this deal. It's a $15 million deal. I'll just figure it out. It, yeah. His first deal was what? 2.7? 2.9. 2.9. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, it immediately skyrocketed up. Yeah. And it was just like, you just did it. Mm-hmm. Right. There was nothing. He didn't think, oh, I need to start small. I need to learn. No, he just went and did it. And he's got- not a real estate person at all right and he's got two employees yeah <laughs> now now he has now two he has employees two like yeah two people he like, just hired a second one crazy, so dude. you can listen to that podcast on the aj osborne podcast you can go check that out he's on there um but the point being is 
he's going all over. He's doing triple net leases. He's doing things that are totally different. And I see people in storage that are the same way. Like I wanted to get into self-storage. There wasn't opportunity. So I developed. And it's like, well, nobody told them that they couldn't do that. Right. Or they didn't care. Right. It was like, oh, well, this is the opportunity. So I'm taking it. And other people you hear, no, that's not how I do things. Right. No, I got to start small. I got to do this. But now there's no small ones. There's nothing in my backyard. Mm -hmm. Now I got to go to the East Coast. Well, you can't do that. Well, there's lots of people that are doing that. Um, And so just because your opportunities may not be convenient, right, doesn't mean that they're not opportunities for you and they're not the way you should do it. And I think, once again, a lot of times we just have blinders on. Mm-hmm. We don't. Oh, for sure. We don't even see it. It's right. I don't know. No, for me, heck yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I got started in self storage, I was telling, you know, Cotter and them this. It was like, I, I, it's like, well, there's opportunity here, so I'm going to take it. But I'm really looking to be a real investor, right? Like, I'm going to do multifamily because that's what real investors do. Mm-hmm. Here's yeah. another storage deal. Oh, it's really good. Okay, fine. I'll do this one, but just this one because we're going to become real investors and we're going <laughs> to, you know, and it was like I was holding myself back uh, because of preconceived notions that I had of what I was supposed to do to become financially free and successful. And if I would have eliminated those sooner, we would have been much, much farther ahead. Yeah. And rolling with what was working. Yes. Yeah. And taking advantage of that. And so really, guys, I think the point of the podcast is get the blinders off. Look for opportunities. Don't be afraid to fall, uh, take them. Surround yourself with people. If there's an opportunity, you see it, but you can't do it yourself. Well, that's good. Of course you can't. Don't You can't do anything by yourself. So just stop saying, oh, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. We all agree. You can't do that. Now go find the people that can help you get it done, right? If I if I approached that saying, oh, I can't or can't do that, I would never do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So look at the opportunities that you have, where your strengths are, fill in the gaps with other professional people, partners, people you hire, third parties, and make sure those things align with your long-term goals and make sure those things are actually taking you where you want to go. Uh, we talked a lot about that even with Matt, all that podcast where it's like, yeah, you end up in two years and you're like, I hate this, Mm -hmm. right? You don't want that. Right. So stick with your skills, get people to help you, um, and break into the market, do what others won't. Right. And don't think that there's a standard way of going about it. hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Um, I think it's a good time to throw out these sponsorships here. Um, speaking of getting started, Yes. Live Oak has some sweet SBA programs and stuff going on through September. It's 2021 right now. And uh, it is, is it March? Yeah. Coming up on April here. And uh, they have some awesome, awesome programs SBA-wise that you guys can take advantage of uh, up until September here where they uh, cover payments. They're doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, things that um, you don't hear often about. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Live Oak just in general on the podcast here and what awesome partners they are in the storage space specifically because they know they know storage. They know the industry. They've been in it. They've been around it. They know the people in it. They are very well connected to the storage industry as a whole, and they know what they are what they're looking at, whether they're in a third tier market or a first tier market or whatever, and they can accurately uh, direct you and provide you with what you need to uh, to actually get things done, to move on deals, to execute. Um, if you haven't already, go listen to Terry Campbell's episode. It was a little bit ago here on the podcast. 
Fantastic podcast, great guy, lots great. of really, really good info uh, just as far as financing and funding storage, and uh, they're a great lending partner. We're happy to have them as a sponsor, so uh, go check them out. Links in the show notes. And then uh, we got good old Janice International, man. Yeah, Janice, we're, you know, it's funny how much we're um, working with Janice and how much they set themselves apart. Um, their new no-key system, it just keeps getting better and better. The no key system is the keyless entry system. You guys, we, you've heard us talk about it. You've probably seen it on our YouTube or Instagram as we're showing how that stuff works. But it is taking over the industry. And I and I do believe when I say if you're not looking at keyless entry system in your building or buying a storage unit and others are building around you, um, you could be buying or building and already be behind the times. Yeah. And I, I literally just saw, uh, so I just got back today from, from, uh, a trip scoping out a potential project, uh, for us here at Cedar Creek and, and self-storage income and Bitterroot and, and whatever else we got going on. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually saw that this is this week where this facility had been open for a year. They, there was no, keyless entry. There was no technology running the facility, no nothing. And my immediate thought was like, how in the world are you going to compete if I or somebody else comes in yep. here and offers that product, you're done. I, I mean, yeah. you might be able to go in and retrofit it. And that's another really awesome part about Janus yes. and the Noki system is being able to, let's say if you do have an older facility and you notice that nobody in your market has that technology yet, you can actually retrofit in in place those uh, unit door controllers and implement the technology without having to do all the wiring and everything else. They've got really good options as far as battery-powered controllers and how they set all that stuff up. And like AJ's talking about, they have the new product out, the Noki One um, the smart latch that is just essentially the latch on the door is the the bluetooth connected smart latch which is sweet yes. and we actually found uh for us we found a cost savings in doing that versus the wired volt system obviously there's a lot less that goes into the install and the materials and all that stuff if you're doing more of a battery powered version instead of you know a wired system so uh there could be some potential cost savings for you guys obviously i'll have to talk to janice and all that kind of stuff and have them give you proposals for all that stuff but uh really great guys over there we've we've also had people from Janice and Noki on the uh, the podcast, John Bilton, all those guys over there uh, that really, really know. Again, we're talking people that have been in the storage industry for decades, dude. I mean, yeah. you're talking like from the 90s up until today, these guys have just been rocking it. And they've been in every portion of the industry, whether it's metal fabrication, whether it's the finance, whether it's the, the building and the development. It's I mean, literally every single aspect. A lot of these guys at Janus and some of these other storage-specific companies have just been in the industry for so long. Uh, it's just invaluable. But specifically Janus, they've got so much really good – so much experience and, and a lot of really good people over there. So Yeah. Got to check both of those guys out. They're yeah. literally – absolute must right no, now. No. But with that, guys, I mean, thanks everybody for being on this. I know this was a different podcast because, um, yeah, we were talking, to, I think it's important though. Yeah. yeah I think it's 100%. a great subject. Um, and would love to hear your guys' feedback. Uh, if you liked it, give us a good rating, five stars, guys, reach out to us and let us know. And with that, appreciate you. See you guys.